Are you guys ready for a Christmas message? I'm going to ask that one more time. You guys ready for a Christmas message? You know, your pastor doesn't like to preach too much on Christmas because everyone knows the story. you got to figure out another way to kind of teach it. But I'm going to tell you, as I was studying the Christmas message in the Gospels, there's one phrase that grabbed my heart that led me to teach on this for two weeks. Let's all stand in reverence to the Word of God, please. Matthew chapter 2, <clears throat> beginning at verse 1. And the focus of this Christmas is going to be on the three wise men. How many of you need some wisdom in your life? And how many of you are married to a wise guy? <laughs> no? Matthew 2, I know it's a bad joke. Matthew 2, verse 1. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod, the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born of the king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east, and we've come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all of Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and the scribes of the people together, he inquired of them whether Christ was to be born. So they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it's written by the prophet, But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, are not the least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. And Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for this young child. And when you have found him, bring back word to me, so that I may come and worship him also. And when they heard the king, they departed, and behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them, so it came and stood over where the young child was. When, the, when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. When they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother. They fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And lastly, then being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed from their own country another way. And I want to share with you a phrase, a question that they asked that led me to teach this for the next two weeks. But in verse 1 and 2, the Bible says, After Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem. And in verse 2, this is it. Saying or asking, where is he who has been born of the king of the Jews? Notice the question. Where is he? Come on, say that with me. Where is he? What a question. These wise men asked, where is he? Is he? So to, today, the title of today's message is simply that. Where is he? And the purpose of this message, this Christmas, is to really explain to you the three powerful reasons God decided to put a star to lead them to Jesus. Can we pray? Father, bless this word. I ask that you would use me to preach it, open our hearts to understand it. As many of us are asking, Lord, where are you? And sometimes we can feel like these wise men just lost. I pray that you would bless us in the next two weeks, Father, and help us to understand your purpose and reasoning behind a star. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You guys can have a seat as we get ready for this word entitled, Where Is He? I heard about two brothers, and these two brothers were 
young and they were pretty bad. They were causing a lot of headache at home. They were so rebellious that their mother did not even know what to do. And when they, when the mother asked the father, you got to do something, he said, I, I don't know what to do with these boys. They're, they're crazy. They're, they're really bad. How many parents can relate? You know, a little bit of some wild children, right? So these two young brothers were always getting into trouble. They were always fighting in school. And when they weren't fighting in school, it's because they were skipping school. They would not listen to the teachers. They would not listen to the authorities. They would not even listen to their parents. They did what they want, when they wanted, how they wanted. They did not care about rules. And finally, the mom had it and made a huge threat. And she says, if you don't behave, I'm going to take you to church. And they did not listen. So one Sunday morning, she got the kids up and says, that's it. We're going to church and believing that church was the only way these kids were going to act right. And that Sunday, the kids went to church. But to no one's surprise, they were even bad there. The children were always laughing and talking. They were throwing spitballs at the other congregants. And when the usher, when the usher came to do the communion, they ate all the bread. And when it came time to do the tithes and the offering, they took some of the money. And the pastor was trying to preach, but he was distracted by how bad they were. So he tells the mom, take them to my office after church. I want to talk to these boys. And when the pastor sits down, these two boys, he looks, he calls the older brother in first. So the younger brother is out in the hallway waiting. And he sits the older brother down and he looks right into his eyes and he says, I just have one question for you, the pastor asks. Where is Jesus? Where's Jesus? Answer me. He said, where is Jesus? The older brother was shocked. Couldn't say anything. He let him go to bring the other brother in. And as both brothers meet in the hallway, the younger brother tells the older brother, what did he want? What did he say? And he says, he was asking where Jesus is. Apparently, Jesus is missing, and they think we had something to do with it. That's the joke, people. These kids could not understand the question. Where's Jesus? Where's Jesus? It's a question that the wise men were asking. When they first got to Herod's palace, they asked, where is he? Where is he? You see, these wise men were known as magi. These wise men were known for being some of the wisest men that ever lived. These wise men were hired by kings and rulers to give them advice. These wise men gave such wisdom that would shape and mold political choices and kingdoms. In fact, when King Nebuchadnezzar had a dream he could not understand, they summoned the wise men to try to figure it out because wise men were known to be wise in just about everything. Wise men spent their lives saturated in scriptures and literature studying everything from the cosmos and the universe. They studied astronomy and they studied the Bible, the scriptures, the Old Testament. They knew everything there was to know. And these wise men would read one day the book of Daniel, chapter 9, that prophesied of the birth of Jesus Christ. So these wise men knew that someday soon, a king is going to be born in Bethlehem. These wise men also read the book of Micah. And when they read the book of Micah, they understood that the wise men knew that Jesus would be born in Bethlehem because it was prophesied in the book of Micah. And these wise men also studied the book of Numbers, which told them in prophecy 
that a star would appear, according to the prophet Balaam, a star would appear when the Savior was born. So as these wise men were studying the Bible, studying the Scriptures, knowing prophecy, behold, one night they looked up and there it was. The star. They saw the star. And they knew that prophecy was fulfilled. That the king was born. So the wise men got together and said, we need to go. And they decided to get the best of their treasure and walk to Bethlehem over 900 miles. Can you imagine walking 900 miles to present a gift to Jesus? Some of you can't drive five minutes to do that in church. But it would take them weeks and even months on the long journey that was very dangerous and tiresome to reach Bethlehem, 900 miles. That's from here to Kentucky. How many of you would walk from here to Kentucky just to give Jesus worship? Not many, but they did. And as they walked every day and every night and traveled through the desert, through the heat, through the cold, through the dangers. They would walk and walk till finally they turned to Herod's palace. It was the wrong direction. But see, the wise men believed that if a king's going to be born, he's not going to be born in Bethlehem, he's not going to be born in some manger. He's going to be born in the best condition. So the best of kings is going to be in the best of palaces. So they ignored for a moment the word of God and leaned on their own understanding. And one of the ways you get yourself in trouble is when you decide to ignore the word of God and go by what you feel. Go by what you think. Go by what you feel seems right to you. So these wise men, they got together and they went to Herod's palace. And as they went to Herod's palace, they were expecting to see Jesus. They were expecting to see the Savior, the King. They wanted to give him their gifts and worship and fall on their knees. But the Bible says that Jesus wasn't there. So the wise men were disappointed. The wise men were confused. The wise men were lost. They couldn't figure out why Jesus wasn't there. So they did something that's just amazing. So amazing that it's another Christmas miracle. We know the first Christmas miracle is the birth of Jesus Christ by a virgin. Amen? Amen? The second Christmas miracle that we often don't see is here. We have three men that are lost and they ask for direction. Think about that. Men, how many of you like to admit you're lost? I'm never lost. I'm just wandering. But men don't like to admit they're lost. You know what else men don't like to do? Is ask for direction. Because when you ask for direction, you are openly confessing what? You're lost. But these men did something that we also call Christmas miracle. They got off their camels, went to Herod's palace, which we might as well call the gas station, and they asked, where is he? Where is he? You see, these wise men had made a wrong turn. Wise men were lost. Wise men were disappointed. Wise men were confused. 
The wise men must have thought they wasted their time. The search was empty. And I ask you today, church, how many of you feel like those wise men sometimes? How many of you can agree that sometimes life has a way of getting us to a place where we're asking, where is he? Where's the Lord? Where is he? You see, during the first Christmas, an angel would visit Joseph. And that angel would prophesy the book of Isaiah and said that he shall be called Emmanuel. One of his titles. And the word Emmanuel, the angel told Joseph, would mean God is with us. And that's great. And we all believe that. We all believe God is with us. We know Emmanuel, we know Jesus, we know God is with us. But understand something about this. Just because we know to be true that God is with us doesn't always mean you're going to see Him. In fact, the wise men knew that God was born. The wise men knew the Savior was on earth. The wise men knew that the Lord was with them. He was there. But they still asked, where is He? So I want to preach to anyone this morning that knows God is with them, but you're asking yourself, lately I don't see Him. Where is He? When I'm lost and have no direction as to what to do in my life. Where is he when I'm disappointed like the wise men were? Where is he when I'm disappointed? When what I thought would be wasn't. When my expectations have fallen. Where is he when I've been hurt? Where is he when I've been abused? Where is he when I've been rejected? Where is he because right now I'm confused? Where is he when I feel that my life has been a waste up to this point? And I feel stuck. Where is he when my prayers aren't answered? Where is he when I'm going through sickness? Where is he when I'm in trouble? Where is he when he's silent? You see, we all know that God said Jesus will be called Emmanuel, God with us. But that never meant that life would be easy, that disappointment would not happen. And we know as a church that God is with us. And we know that God is with us. But maybe this year has been one of those years you're saying, I just don't see Him though. Where are you, God? Where is He? And if that's you this morning, understand that in the Bible, God said, I'm going to put a star. A star. So that these wise men would find Jesus. We, we look at the scriptures, we read through the Matthew, we read through the Christmas stories, we look at our trees, on top of our trees is a star. We see stars everywhere during Christmas. But how many of you have ever stopped and ask yourself, as I did this week, why did Jesus, why was he born in Bethlehem and God chose a star to shine instead of an angel? 
Let me explain. When Christmas, when Jesus was getting ready to come to this earth, Joseph was getting ready to marry Mary. He had the house ready. He had the wedding ready. He had everything ready. And one night, an angel came to him and told him, do not be afraid to marry her. Now, why was Joseph afraid to marry her? It's because Mary went up to him and said, Honey, I gotta talk to you. Oh, what is it, honey, with his little puppy faces? What is that? What is it, baby? Mary said, I'm pregnant. Imagine, man, if your fiance comes to you and says, I'm pregnant. And you know you haven't consummated this marriage. You know that child isn't yours. You're filled with anger. You're filled with rejection. You're filled with hurt. And confusion. And then Mary says, oh, honey, but don't worry. The baby belongs to God. Joseph couldn't understand it. But listen, one night an angel came to Joseph and said, hey, don't worry, Joseph. Mary's telling the truth. She has a child. The child she's conceived with the Holy Spirit right there. This is God's baby. This is Jesus. Take her as your wife. Do not be afraid. And this is what I am get confused about. You see, when Joseph was afraid, Joseph was disappointed, Joseph was confused, God sent an angel to speak to him. And, oh, and Joseph said, okay. When Mary was afraid, and Mary was confused, and Mary wasn't sure what was happening in her life, an angel went to her and said, Mary, don't be afraid. You're going to have a child, and with God, all things are possible. So don't worry about it. And Mary said, let it be as you said. Okay. And when the shepherds were out in the field, and they were shepherding their sheep, and an angel appeared, and they were afraid, confused. The angel said to them, hey, don't worry. Jesus has been born. He's in Bethlehem. Let's go. And you know what the shepherd said? Okay. And it seemed like God made it so easy for them to get visited by an angel and said, don't be afraid. Don't be confused. This is what's happening. This is what's going to happen. This is what you have to do. How many of you would love it if God was that simple in your life? Show me your hands. But church, my question is, why didn't God send an angel to the wise men? Why didn't God just make an angel go down there when they made a wrong turn and, and an angel would have showed up and said, hey, 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 he's not here. This is the wrong way. He's that way, guys. Go over there, remember? Bethlehem. Why didn't God send an angel? But he sent a star. Well, I'm going to give you one of three reasons why this today. These three reasons are going to give you hope, are going to bring conviction, and these three reasons are going to change your life. You guys ready for the three reasons for the star of Bethlehem? You don't sound ready. Come on, get, get Christmas out of your mind and everything out of the business. Are you guys ready to hear why? Number one, God was demonstrating through that star His sovereignty. You might be saying, what, what does sovereignty mean? The simple way of saying the sovereignty of God is God's divine power and authority over all things, both here on earth and in heaven. The sovereignty of God means he's in control. And because God is sovereign, it means he has a plan. 
Because God is sovereign, he says, I'm going to work everything out. And because of his sovereignty, you may think you're lost, you may think you're confused, you may think you're afraid, but I'm telling you right now, God is not. And right now, because of the sovereignty of God, he sits in heaven on the throne, looking upon your life, saying, everything's going to be okay. And you're probably wondering, well, Pastor, how does the star show the sovereignty of God? Well, read with me Psalm 147, verse 4 through 5. And the Bible says, He what? He determines the number of stars and calls them each by what? By name. Great is our Lord, mighty in power. His understanding has no limits. And you may be in a position where you don't understand what God is doing. You don't understand what you're going to do. You don't understand how you're going to get out of this. But the Bible says the knowledge of God goes beyond limit. It has no limit. And the proof that God shows us is the stars. He says, I know them by name. I know them. And I determine where they go. The word determine means to assign and prepare. Do you realize that God's saying, I'm a God that says, I don't just throw stars everywhere. I don't just throw stars just to light up and scatter them. Each star in the skies that light up at night are stars that I have placed and assigned and prepared by name. And why does God say He names the stars by name? Because names were given to people in this, in this culture. Your name represented a purpose, an identity. So God is saying, I'm a God of purpose. I'm a God of assignment. I'm a God that places everything where it needs to go. And church, if God is a God that does this with stars, He is doing this to you. He has not just kicked you into this earth. He has not just placed you here to figure it out. He did not just toss you and say, okay, I'll see you in a 100 years, 80 years, 60. That's hope. We didn't just throw you out there to figure life out. God has given you, like the stars, a name, a purpose, an identity, a reason for living. He has placed you where you're at, at the right time, at the right place, with the right people, because He has a plan for your life. Don't let the devil tell you you are wandering with no purpose and no identity. If God can name the stars... The Bible says He knows you by name. He created you before your mother popped you out of the womb. He had a plan for your life. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. Give Him praise in this house today. He has placed you where you're at. You may not like it. You may not understand it. But you have to believe that God is sovereign and He places the stars where they need to be. That star would have shined in Miami. These wise men would be in the beach right now. If it would have shined in Paris, they would have been in France. God said, I'm putting that star right in Bethlehem to fulfill my word. God is placing you right where you're at. Sometimes we don't like where we're at. But you can trust in the sovereign God that has you right where He wants you. God doesn't just do things to do. He does it with divine appointment and reason and purpose. In the Bible, a man named Abraham was old, beyond childbearing. He had lost hope for a family. 
He lost hope he'd ever have a child. And in that culture, as a man, there is nothing worse than that because it made you feel like you had no purpose. Your family lineage was dead. God was done. Barrenness was a curse to those people. Bible says that the Lord showed up. We know it was Jesus showed up. Jesus doesn't tell Abraham, don't worry. It's going to be okay. Because sometimes those, that, those words don't help when you're broken. You ever been so broken and someone just tells you, don't worry, it's going to be okay, and you want to smack and say, what do you know? Just me? Okay. Jesus takes him out of his tent. And all he says is, look up. When he looks up, he sees stars. And he says, Abram, try to count them. He said, Lord, that's impossible. Go ahead, try to count them and tell me how many they are. I can't. Exactly, Abram. Your understanding is limited. But I can tell you right now, Abraham, each and every star of those up there in the sky, I know them by name. I have a purpose for that one. That one over there, that's Tim. He's crazy. That one over there is Bobby. He's wild. Look at that one, Tiffany. She's been there for a thousand years. And God would show him the stars to let him know. I have a purpose for you. You're not lost. You're not confused. I'm with you. We praise God for that. I'm with you. The star of Bethlehem was a demonstration of the sovereignty of God. Above all things in control. So in control that scientists studied and tried to figure out what the star was. Even atheists believed they know this star existed. And they're trying to figure out what it was. And they rule out things like a, a comic, Haley's comic, because they would just be traveling. They know it wasn't that. A supernova, whatever that is, they rule that out. Then scientists discovered what it was. And they, they call it planetary conjunction. Listen, it's when three planets line up parallel to the sun, creating this amazing star-like reflection for weeks on end, sometimes months. So it's when the planets align just right that this star appears. And this planetary conjunction happens every 1,000 years. So here's the thing. Scientists might say, you see, it's not a miracle. It's science. And I said, listen, that's even better. (laughs) Because that's God is so sovereign that at the right time, precisely at the right place, he called the planets to align to reflect the star, to lead the men. And if God can stop the sun for Joshua, and if God can align the planets to to lead three men to Jesus, What do you think God is aligning right now for your life? What a miracle 
that every 1,000 years this happened, and it so happens that on the 1,000th year, when the planets form a planetary conjunction, it so happened that Jesus was born. What does that tell you, church? That God has time in his hands. He has the world in his hands. He has the universe in his hands. He has the heavens in his hands. He has your life in your in his hands. God aligns the planets. This is God demonstrating his sovereignty. The sovereignty of God is that God is everywhere at once, omnipresent. The sovereignty of God is that God is omniscient, all-knowing. And the sovereignty of God is that God is all-powerful. You imagine right now with me that God is so sovereign and so knowing of all things, past, present, and future, that he knew that the star would shine over Bethlehem according to the book of Numbers. And when Jesus was born and the book of Numbers was written, the time gap is 1,471 years apart. So you mean to tell me that God knew and was looking ahead 1,471 years ahead of the future and he knew exactly when Jesus would be born, when the planets would align and the star would show up and he confirmed the book of Micah which was written 700 years before Christ. And what's my point? Is God is so sovereign. He's so all-knowing and powerful. He knows your tomorrow. How many of you are afraid of tomorrow? What's going to happen? What if? I don't know what's going to happen in five years, ten years, this month. But God is so sovereign. He's omnipresent. He's there right now. God is just not only with us, He's also in your future. And he knows exactly where you're going to be and why and when. And he determines. The Bible says a man plans in his heart, but God determines his steps. The same language he used for the stars. He determines where they go. The word determine, remember, means to plan, to prepare. So what you're facing right now, God knew you would face before you were even born. And that's why in Matthew, Jesus says, hey, do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow is going to worry about itself. When Jesus said, do not worry about tomorrow, it's because Jesus understood the sovereignty he had. There's a certain peace to know that that Bethlehem star represented the sovereignty of God. How over a thousand years ago, God understood and aligned everything at the right time, at the right place, the perfect timing of God for Jesus to be born. Had Jesus been born and those planets not aligned and that star not shone, it would have disqualified him according to numbers. But Jesus already had a plan. He has a plan. How sovereign is he? He's so sovereign that that star means today I'm in control. I remember in 2020, how many remember 2020? How many want to forget 2020? 2020 was a scary time for even our church. We try to figure out how to have church at home. Some people liked it too much, they're still at home. What's interesting about this Bethlehem star, they call it, is on December 21st, now listen, December 21st, 2020, remember every thousand years, December 21st, 2020, and you can see it over the skies of Arizona, 
we had a planetary conjunction that formed a Bethlehem star. Here it is, actual picture of it. December 2020, it happened again. After a thousand years. And I believe that God chose that year to shine this star because he knew the world would face crisis in two months. That everyone's world would be turned upside down. He knew that people would get sick, people would die, people would lose jobs, churches would close down, governments would take over, chaos would erupt. But God shunned this star to let us know, I'm still God. I'm still in control. I'm still a God of alignment. I determine everything. So this reason for the star, the first reason, is to show the sovereignty of God that He is above all things and in control over your life. How control and how above is He, you might be asking. Colossians 1, 16-17. For by Him, everyone say all things. Not some. All. By Him, all things were created. Things in heaven and on earth. Heaven and on earth. Visible and invisible. Whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things were created by Him and for Him. He is before all things. There it is again, all things. He's before, above, all things. And here's a great one. And in Him, what? All things hold together. You see, I don't want to reject a God that He holds all things. You think money holds everything together? You think pleasure is going to hold you together? You think a bigger house or having more kids is going to hold your marriage together? If you feel like your life is falling apart, it's because you have forgotten or abandoned or rejected a God that says, I hold all things together. And you forgot it. He is before all things and in Him all things hold together. The Bible says in Romans that in all things God works for good for those who love Him and are called according to His purpose. So here's my point. God holds all things and He works all things. Let me say that one more time. God holds all things and He works all things. So when the Bible says, do not be afraid, do not worry, do not be anxious, do not be discouraged, do not grow weary. He's speaking out of experience because he is a God that says, I hold all things. And I work all things because I'm above all things. I control the heavens. I control the earth. I determine the stars. I move the planets. I shine the stars where they need to shine. I place you where you need to be. God is in control. And that is the ultimate story of the wise men this Christmas. God works all things. Even Now listen, now close with this. God is sovereign even over your sin. That's why Jesus died on the cross and forgave sin because he is above sin and can forgive sin. He is sovereign over your past. Your failures, your sin, your mistakes, your shame. The things you don't want to think about. The things you're ashamed of. The Lord says right now, I am sovereign over that. 
And even when you have fallen and you failed and you've sinned and made terrible decisions, because notice the wise men, they made a wrong turn. And some of us relate to making a wrong turn in this life. But believe me when I tell you, he holds all things, he works all things, he's above all things because he is God only. You want proof of this? God is so sovereign. Number one, he's sovereign over your problems. How many of you have problems right now? Not real problems. Come on. Not, oh, I don't know what to wear next Christmas. I don't know. Real problems. Come on, show me your hands. Real problems. Come on, real problems. Problems with your family. Problems with your health. Problems with a loved one. Okay, put your hands. Sometimes in our problems, we say, where is God? Where is he? Like the wise men say. And maybe one of the problems is because you've been hurt by people. Betrayed by people. Christmas is sometimes a reminder of people that aren't going to be with us. And you have problems. Christmas sometimes is a reminder of toys you can't put under the tree because of your financial problems. Christmas is a reminder how your family's not going to be together because of a divorce and marital problems. And as joyful and Happy Christmas may sound. For some people, it's not. Maybe that's you this morning. You're listening online. I want to tell you right now, the star of Bethlehem is the sign of God's sovereignty. He knew where you were going to be right now. He knew what was going to happen. Well, why didn't he prevent it? Because he works all things for good. I can't tell you why he did not prevent it. But I'll tell you this, he's going to work it for You see, the wise men knew about Jesus through the book of Numbers, Daniel, and Micah. They knew Jesus would be born in Jerusalem. They knew he would be born in Bethlehem and reign in Jerusalem. Sorry. And they read that through Daniel chapter 9. What's interesting, though, is that Daniel chapter 9 was written when Daniel was in Babylon, taken captive by the Babylonians. The Babylonians came and ripped the Israelites from their homes. They killed many of the men. They imprisoned him, including Daniel. He was thrown into a prison cell. And in one moment, he lost his livelihood. He lost his home. He was wondering, where is God? I imagine Daniel saying, where is he? Because Daniel loved God. Daniel was faithful to God. But now Daniel is in prison and in chains and enslaved. And he's probably wondering, where is he? But God is sovereign. And in 539 B.C., before Christ was even born, the Persians took over Babylon. They set a lot of Israelites free, except Daniel. Can you imagine Daniel when the Persians took over Babylon? He would have said, finally, I'm free. Finally, God, thank you. This is the end of this problem. And the Persians just took him to another location and enslaved him. You ever feel like you go from one problem to the next? Daniel couldn't understand why. Why am I in Persia? And he would never understand. He would die never knowing. Because some of us have to understand, we're going to die not knowing some things, why God did. Why God did certain things. We'll never get the answer. But we know now that because Daniel was in Persia 539 years before Christ was born, the Bible shows us that Daniel went to Persia. And because Daniel was in Persia, even though it was unfair and it was hard and it was difficult, had Daniel never been taken captive from Babylon to Persia, the wise men would never have read the book of Daniel. They would never have known about Jesus. 
they would never have known about Bethlehem. So God is so sovereign that even when life feels unfair and people have enslaved you and people have hurt you and you don't understand what he's doing or where he's at, I'm telling you, he is above all things. He works all things. He holds all things. And if God can use your problems for someone else's pleasure and someone else's salvation and he gets the glory, you have to understand that even when your life is down to nothing, God says, I'm going to use this to bless you or someone else. If Daniel never was taken captive from Israel to Babylon, from Babylon to Persia, the book of Daniel would never have been found. These wise men would have continued to be lost. So he works all things, even your problems. Amen? He works all problems. He works all sin. The wise men made a wrong turn. They went to Herod. Because of this, Herod would find out that Jesus was born. He'd be so troubled that two years later, he would order every two-year-old and under to die, to be killed. Had the wise men never turned to Herod, we would never have seen Herod enraged and kill all of these babies. Can you imagine what the wise men must have felt? Why did I make that turn? Why did I do that? Why? But God is so sovereign, He knew that these wise men would turn to Herod and Herod would kill all the two-year-olds. That God would tell Joseph through an angel, run to Egypt and hide there. Because Egypt was the last place you'd ever think an Israelite would be in. It's like a Cuban saying, I'm going to go back to Cuba because I think it's safer there. doesn't make sense. But God said, go to Egypt. And one of the prophecies in Isaiah of Jesus is that he would be born in Bethlehem and he would come out from Egypt. And everyone's like, how is this even possible? It's because God already knew he would be born in Bethlehem but because of the wise men and their mistake and what they did to Herod, Herod's going to kill all the children, so they're going to run to Egypt, and out of Egypt's going to come Jesus. And the prophecy was fulfilled. Why is this so important? Because no matter how bad you've turned in life, no matter how far you are from Jesus, no matter how broken your choices are that you regret, the Lord can still use you. The Lord can still bless you. He is sovereign over your sin and past and mistakes. Give Him praise today for that. Don't let the devil tell you it's over. Don't let the devil tell you you're too far gone. You messed up beyond what you can imagine. God can't forgive that. Listen, he is above all things because he holds all things because he works all things. Our God is Emmanuel. God is with us. I may not see it like they did it. Where is he? You may not understand it. But God is sovereign. And if God can place the star to lead men from the Far East, the Lord can lead you right now. That's what Christmas is all about. Jesus is that star lighting up for you right now. He holds all things. He holds your life right now. He works all things. He can work it all out for you. Because if anything, the wise men teach us. Is you know he's here. You know God is with us. But sometimes you're on this journey in life, like they were in the journey to Bethlehem. But they couldn't see him. But here's the hope we have. That at the end of their journey, through the difficult trials, the difficult journey, through the mistakes they made with Herod, they finally made it to Jesus. They knelt down. They gave them their treasure. They gave him their treasure and worshiped. 
Can I tell you why that happened? I believe with all my heart as God is so sovereign, He was giving us a picture of what heaven's going to look like. Our journey in this world is hard. Some of us are on the most difficult journey right now. But the hope we have as Christians because of Jesus Christ is that one day when it's over, we're going to be face to face with Jesus. Amen? And the Bible says every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess. That's worship. And we will all present our rewards and give Him our treasure. We're going to say, you are worthy. You are worthy. We're going to throw everything to Jesus. And that is the picture of what heaven's going to look like for those who receive Jesus Christ as their sovereign Lord and Savior. This journey is not forever, people. It will come to an end. And when the journey ends, I pray you'll be like the wise men. You will face Jesus knowing He was your Lord. Or you may be like Herod, who had every opportunity who knew about Jesus, had every opportunity to go and worship. And I will talk about him next week, but I just want to tell someone here today, Herod said, let me know if you find him so I may go worship. And he was such a liar. Why? Because it's so easy for us to give Jesus false worship. You're in church today. You're singing songs. You're listening to the sermons, but it's all a lie you know that Jesus Christ is not your sovereign Lord and Savior. And Herod missed it by this much. The Bible says he was troubled when Jesus... Well, I'll tell you next week why. But right now, let's all stand and pray. So I want to tell you all today, He is sovereign. My prayer one day is as we get done with this journey called life, and we made wrong turns, I'd always imagine, I don't know why I always imagine our church on this journey together. If we were the wise men, the story would be written different. But one day this journey is going to come to an end like it did for them. And I pray that when our journey ends, we are all together looking at Jesus, giving Him our best worship, looking back at life and all the trouble we went through, saying it was worth it. And we're going to say, Lord, thank You for the star. Thank You for the star that led me to Jesus. And that's why I thank God I'm a pastor because I might be your star right now telling you about a man called Jesus who is God that loves you and died on the cross for your sins. But don't make the mistake Herod made, which I'll tell you next week. But today, like the wise men, fall at the feet of Jesus. And if you're here today, and you're saying, where is he? Emmanuel, God is with us, but I don't see you, Lord. Declare he saw. Say, Lord, you, you know all things. You're above all things. You hold all things. You work all things. And all things work together for good. And the sovereignty of God, church, means you're going to be okay. Come on, praise Him right now. You're going to be okay. So this Christmas, next week, we're going to finish the second two reasons, a short message next weekend, of the other two reasons. And I pray you guys come back. I may not even put this online so you miss it if you don't show up. And if you're online and you want to hear it, email us. We'll send it to you. I can do that, you know. 
But if you're here today, you're saying, Pastor, I was expecting a Christmas message like Jesus was born to save us. He loves you. But this Christmas message was a reminder to all of us. It makes no sense to question a sovereign God who places stars where they need to be, moves planets where they need to go, leads people where they need to be. He's in control, church. And if you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I feel sorry for you because right now you have that opportunity once and for all to say, Jesus, be my Lord. It doesn't matter how you've turned in life, the sins you've committed, the things you've done. Before you even did those things that the Lord, that you are so ashamed of, God is sovereign, remember, and He already knew. Before you were born, He already knew and already set you apart. Maybe God has set you apart for Him right now. What are you waiting for? The Bible says that if you confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, if you confess and believe that He died and rose again, the word confess simply means to agree. You say, Lord, I agree with you. I'm a sinner. I agree that you're the only way to heaven. And I agree, Lord, that I can be forgiven. And today, Lord, in agreement, I surrender my life to you. Herod, however, well, I'll tell you next week. So right now, church, two prayers. I want to pray on this altar today. We open up the altar if you want Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you come forward once and for all. Don't be like Herod, false worship. You come and be real with the Lord. But if you're here today and you're saying, Pastor, I'm saved. I know God is with us. He's with me, but I don't see Him. And my life is in crisis, and I'm discouraged. I'm afraid. I'm lost. I'm confused. And I need to pray for the Lord to forgive me for questioning His sovereignty. And I want to surrender once and for all this area in my life that He needs to control again. The Bible says, commit your ways to the Lord. The word commit literally means to just roll it on over to God. You know God has a rollaway plan? His rollover plan simply means you roll your problems onto me and trust me. So let me pray for you right now. And as Frankie leads us in one song, I'm going to put it out there. One more song of worship. I want to pray for you in this altar today, but I pray I'm not the only one praying. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for this church service and this Christmas service. You are sovereign. You place the stars. You move the planets. You guide the people. You know what's going to happen before it happens. You were 1,000 years ahead of our issues, Lord. Father, you hold all things. You know all things. You're above all things. You work all things. But Father, there are some things we're still holding on to we haven't surrendered to. So Father, I pray for those here today that need to make you the Lord of their life today. Give them the strength and the boldness to come forth. And I pray for those who have you as your Lord and Savior today, Lord that they're holding things that only you can hold as we surrender it to you, Father. Receive these altars and these prayers in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, church. Let me pray for you today. You come forward. Come on. As Frankie leads us in two minutes of worship, you surrender this to God and you come forward if you feel the need to pray for the altar. Amen. Come on. Give the Lord some praise today. Come on. You've been praying today. We have uh, Jesseline and Kevin that just gave their lives to Jesus. They've been, come on, give them praise to them. We've been praying, I've been praying for them for many weeks. And God is so sovereign that Kevin thought he was here for community service. <laughs> but God says, no, Kevin, I have other plans for you. And his community service ended a long time ago. He just likes our church people. He just doesn't. Come on, give God praise. He's above all things. Amen? He holds all things. 
He works all things. He knows all things. He aligns all things. He guides you. He holds the world in His hands. He holds your life. He holds your family. He holds your future. He holds this church. Give Him praise and honor today in this house. And I pray next week, next week, we're going to finish the two other reasons why the star shines. You thought this one was powerful? Nah. Come next week to finish this sermon. You don't want to hear a sermon halfway, do you? So the cleaning the house, wait or get it done early. The craziness of the holiday weekend can pause for an hour. We're going to have a short service next week. But come. Because I will preach alone. I always do. <laughs> I will. But come. Because it's Christmas. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for this service. Thank you for this word. Thank you for just leaving heaven for giving their lives to you, Jesus, today. So that when their journey is over, because of you, Jesus, and what you did on this day, they will see you, worship you, and bow before you. We love you and we thank you for your sovereignty. In Jesus' name, amen.